Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. It's officially Indy Week. The Dodge Power Brokers NHRA U.S. Nationals is on tap and ready to go. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. We'll take a quick peek at all the headlines coming into this 2023 U.S. Nationals. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car. Going through the finish line stripe, Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey, everybody. Brian Loans here the NHRA Insider Podcast. It is Indy Week. It is already crazy. We got race teams that are already stacked up at the gate. People are chomping at the bit to get out here to the U.S. Nationals. And uh, it is promising to be a very, very great experience for all of us this weekend, whether you're attending as a fan or you're going to be watching on FS1 and ultimately on Fox on Monday. It is going to be a great race. I, I don't know any other way to say it. I think all of us look forward to this particular week all year long. If you're a fan of drag racing, and you like anything about the pomp and circumstance of the U.S. Nationals, this is one of those weeks that always stands out in your calendar and certainly a race that is my favorite thing in the entire world of drag racing. I love being immersed in it for the, basically the whole week. Uh, I'm making this recording or this podcast here on Monday, and I'm actually headed to Indy on Tuesday to get a bunch of stuff going early, be working with Alan Reinhardt and the crew. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we start making TV shows on Saturday. So going to be a full week for all of us. Uh, some like a thousand race cars, as usual, will be on the property at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. And, you know, to me, the headlines coming in here are looking pretty good. And this is going to be a short deal here this week. Uh, we have an NHRA Insider Live we're going to be doing on Saturday at Indy. We want you to tune in, be live on Facebook, on YouTube. Um, I think it'll be a lot, and obviously on NHRA.TV as well. I believe it'll also land on. But that's going to be a situation where Tony and I are going to get to sit down with Angel and Antron, talk to them about the new big announcement that they made regarding Angel getting in the A-Fuel Dragster, working on her license, and ultimately running a whole season of A-Fuel action next year. We're also going to have Donna Snake Prudhomme as part of that NHRA Insider on Saturday. And that is an Insider Live that will be live streamed. So uh, this early week kind of love note uh, update about the U.S. Nationals is just kind of that. It's going to be pretty quick. Just want to run through some of the major headlines and some of the major things that are um, that are looking good for this week in a lot of different ways. The weather's one of them. It's going to be warm, but the, the forecast has been trending downward. Um, it was showing some days like Sunday and Monday to be in the mid to upper 90s, but now those are down to the high 80s, low 90s, which is much more comfortable. Hopefully it continues to fall. Friday night is going to be very fast with a high in the day of 83 degrees. By the time we run the fuel cars on Friday night, it should really be romping, stomping fast, and that may be the session that sets our number ones for the weekend if, in fact, we're going to see those temperatures that other people, uh, specifically the meteorologists of the world, have been talking about. So what should we talk about coming into the U.S. Nationals? I guess the first couple of things we should talk about are in regard to announcements that have been made, specifically Ron Caps. He has showed that tribute car that he's running, the Don the Snake Perdome tribute car. Uh, on Friday, uh, Don the Snake Perdome would be warming that car up. In Ron's pit area, they'll be doing a little media event after that. Looking forward to uh, being a part of that whole extravaganza. That's going to be pretty spectacular. 
we have seen some great announcements made by multiple teams uh, coming up again with Antron talking about what he's going to be working with on Gelon, his driver development program, which he is now officially the first member of. And I look at the two driver development programs that have been announced in the last couple of weeks. You have the JCM program, which is really geared toward youth. It's geared toward the much younger generation of drivers that have aspirations of being a professional racer and trying to figure out how to do that. It is not about necessarily how to drive the race car. It is about the business of motorsports, the business of drag racing, and the resources and the knowledge that a group like JCM can bring to the table to help foster those talents within the younger racers along. Antron's program, to me, seems a little bit more geared toward an older set. Not old people, per se, but adults, uh, people that have... um, perhaps a desire and or a means to get themselves to a professional level, but don't necessarily know how to work that path. Angel is going to provide a very good example for many people in that she is going to learn a brand new skill set. She has already showed herself to be very good in that skill set, driving the A-Fuel Dragster on Monday after Brainerd. She'll continue to develop those skills. And ultimately, she wants to race in top fuel in 2025. So, Um, That will be something else. But these two driver development programs are, in my opinion, very important for the sport on a couple levels. One, because engaging the young kids and giving them the nuts and bolts knowledge, the backside knowledge, the how the sausage is made uh, knowledge of motorsports is important. It is not an easy path. It is not a simple path. It is not a path that is without its twists and turns. But if some of those twists and turns can be just a little bit straightened out, it can be very helpful for especially that youngest generation of racer. On the flip side of it, or maybe on the elevated side of it with Antron's program, I I think this is going to be a program where we're going to see some very talented younger people using this program, hopefully engaging in this program to help advance themselves into the professional ranks of the sport. And again, it is the idea that you have access to somebody who's done it before. You can talk and ask questions and, and be involved in processes that you may not know how to navigate. Um, in my relationship with many of the professional drivers, I have a keen understanding and some insight, and they tend to talk to me about stuff regarding the backside of drag racing, the business side of drag racing. And I see what a sponsor proposal looks like from a very high-level team. I see what a sponsor proposal looks like from a guy just trying to get something going. And there are vast differences between the two. And usually the guy who's trying to get something going does not bring to the table what an established team brings to the table. So while the work is being done for somebody who is young and up and coming in the sport, and maybe even somebody who is doing this on an infrequent basis that wants to go full-time, they may not be approaching it with the level of professionalism and gusto that they need to. Not out of want to be unprofessional, but out of the ignorance of what is it supposed to look like. If nobody tells you or shows you an example of what something's supposed to look like when then you're dealing with a potential corporate sponsor, you're dealing with a business that you want to get to invest in your program, you can't really be blamed if you're not bringing enough to the table. So the education that this accelerate program is going to provide on a bunch of different levels is great. We'll be talking to Antron and, of course, Angel about that on Saturday during our NHRA Insider Live. Again, I mentioned the Ron Capps uh, tribute announcement, which was fantastic. For those of you that are excited about the new Holly Factory X category, those cars we will have finally uh, enough for an eliminator, and that eliminator will be awarded a Wally. This is not an exhibition. This is a race. So that means we will see uh, at least one Chevy 
I think two Chevys, a Dodge, and a Ford. So we're going to have a little cross-section of all of the available current um, makes in Factory X. That's going to be great. Chris Holbrook in his Mustang was running at the NMCA race last weekend in Ohio, laying down some low sevens at the upper 180-mile-an-hour range. Uh, Jeff Turk has been thrashing on his car that Alan Johnson will be driving. Uh, we know that we have seen, I should say, Greg Stanfield out in his rod shop car. So we will see Factory X as an eliminator this year at the U.S. Nationals. That is a points-given, Wally-given race. So the class is officially official as of this weekend. We've seen those glimpses about it. We've seen the little kind of peaks behind the curtain of cars that are being built, of which there are a multitude. Uh, just like all things in racing, it's taken a little bit more time to get them out of the shop than people had imagined. A lot of people thought, hey, by June, we should be seeing eight, ten of these things around the country. Well, it's almost September, and we got four that are willing to come to the U.S. Nationals. And so that's the nature of this business. Obviously, you know, COVID slowed everything down with this class. The availability of getting the parts and pieces, everything got thrown out of whack on, you know, supply chain and everything else, but it's finally happening. Glad that it's happening. Glad that it is a race that will be uh, rewarded with a Wally for the winner. Uh, a neat kind of footnote historic moment, if you will, uh, at 2020 at the Dodge Power Brokers U.S. Nationals here in 2023. The racers coming in. Who do we, who do we look at? I mean, you know, one of the conversations I want to have with Tony for our Insider Live is, you know, this Gage Herrera guy uh, who continues to just do amazing things, you know, one would think, all right, it's his one-year anniversary of effectively being uh, discovered to a degree by Andrew Hines. He was riding at the U.S. Nationals on Gary Stouffer's bike last year. Andrew Hines was homesick. Andrew Hines was watching him make runs and thought, I need that guy to be part of my team. And thus was born... Over the course of that offseason, the Gage Herrera, Vance and Hines monster that we have seen rear its head this, this year. A part of me would have think to start this season would have thought, you know, this is going to be big for the kid. This is going to be a big moment. This is going to be something he's going to have to consider. I don't think that anymore. When he swept the Western swing, anything I, anything I would have thought about Gage Herrera in terms of, okay, this will be an adjustment for him or this will be something that he needs to mentally kind of brace himself up for, that's gone. That is all gone for me. Maybe it should have been gone earlier. But, you know, when I think about this guy, he is going to come into this race and he's, and he's going to be a headhunter like he has been. How can you not think anything different? How can you not look at him, not only as what will be undoubtedly the regular season champ, quote-unquote, and then see anything but a guy who should roll up into the U.S. Nationals and just start whacking people around again. It'll be interesting to see if that's what actually happens. This race does tend to do funny things to people in pro stock motorcycle and pro stock car, funny car, top fuel, whatever. Stock eliminator does weird things to people. You see people sometimes kind of get caught up in the U.S. Nationals vibe and that U.S. Nationals aura. I just don't think that's going to be him. I think he is methodical enough and experienced enough and just stone cold enough that this is not going to be anything that is treated maybe any different than what he's already done and what he continues to do in this class. So that's going to be really, to me, one of the things to watch. And, you know, on the flip side of it, the, the bikes have had a little time to do some testing like everybody else has. Um, the bikes have had some time to try to figure something out. The bikes have had some time to do some riding technique adjustments, perhaps, because that's 
that's clearly what Gage has an, an exceptional ability to do to launch that motorcycle, the 60-foot times quickest in the sport in the history. So, you know, maybe for the first time in a long time, people went testing less on the mechanical side and more on the physicality side. How do I adjust what I do versus what my machine is doing? How do I adjust what I am doing as the human being on top of it? We don't talk a lot about that in drag racing. It usually comes back to the machine to a degree. But in this case, it's the guy. And that is the guy everybody's chasing. We look at pro stock. I think it is much more wide open in terms of Indy. Um, you know, Dallas Glenn has continued to, to, when he has stumbled, he has come back around again. We all looked at Brainerd. At least many of us looked at Brainerd and thought, okay, Erica wins Topeka. If she wins Brainerd, that's a game changer for a lot of us. It, w- it would have been for me. If she, wins, if she wins Brainerd, that's a game changer for me. She didn't win Brainerd. It's not to say she can't win Indy, but if she had gone back to back, it really would have given me that impression of everybody else should start getting pretty nervous right now. They need to treat her with the utmost respect. They need to race the wheels off her. They need to bring everything to the table. As she showed them at Topeka, she will step up as she has done her whole career. But it is not that monster under the bed type of situation that I think has gotten into people's heads in years past. We'll see if she can win the U.S. Nationals again, but we're also going to see, and what I really do think is a, Greg Anderson can win it. Kramer can win it. Koretsky can win it. I mean, let's go down the list. Of course, Dallas Glenn, Aaron Stanfield, TJ. So I cannot pin a clear favorite on, or even a top three. There's some like a top eight in pro stock that could possibly win the U.S. Nationals this year. So that's going to be a really fun storyline to watch through qualifying. And again, qualifying kind of like a mini Brainerd in that, you know, we're going to have these, these ideal conditions one day and it's going to be through the roof heat the next day. And you know, that whole up and down type of situation. So, you know, it's tough for me to look at pro stock and make any sort of a prediction. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. Maybe I'll save it for Saturday. Once I get to see Friday qualifying, I'll be a lot more confident in my predictions during our NHRA insider live. And the nitro funny car category, um, you know, this is, this is to me and will be one of these great defining moments of the season. Typically is at Indy, but when you have the call-out race and then you have the eliminator the next day or two days later, depending, I guess call-out race is Sunday, eliminations will be Monday. Um, you know, we saw, we saw what happened last year. Robert Height, he, he went after the guy who was the strongest in the class at that time and it didn't work in his favor. Now, it worked in Ron Cap's favor because it cleared a path for him. He goes on to win the thing, gets the money in the Napa Supra. That was a big deal for Caps. So back-to-back on the money would be huge. But on the call-out strategy, I could guarantee you it will not be the same strategy as last year. At least it wouldn't be for me. Maybe I'm a wuss. But if I put my hand on the stove once it get burned, I might not put my hand back on the stove so quick. And I think... In a way, that's what happened to those guys last year. If the temperatures are said to be what they are, will be what they are being said to be on Sunday, that is a hot racetrack race. I do not want anybody, if I'm the number one, number two, number three seed, I do not want anybody who is a hot track specialist. Am I picking J.R. Todd? Hell no. J. 
JR, of course, barely didn't make the cut. But as an example, I do not want a hot track specialist car. I want my crew chiefs, I myself personally, to look back over the season. What were the race day conditions at X races when people won? And if it was 90 degrees, that's the last guy I'm picking. If it's 90 degrees and there's a guy that can go out there and just run 395 all day long and win a race, that's not the guy I want. So the callout's going to be great. And then we go into the eliminator and I can't help. You know, I just don't see funny car in the way I see top fuel in terms of a spoiler, in terms of a dark horse, in terms of somebody that could that could punch up out of their weight class a little bit. We got a great crop of cars, but I do feel like there's not going to be any surprises when we get to Monday afternoon. Maybe over the course of round one, there'll be some surprises, but when that, when that wheat and chafe kind of shake each other out, I don't foresee many surprises. I think we're going to see the same strong, multi-time championship-level players there. Maybe John Force busts his way into a semifinal or final. But I'm not looking past Hagen. I'm not looking past Caps. I'm not looking past Robert. And why would I? And why should I? It would be illogical. Cliche as it sounds, that's, what's, that's what the math says is probably going to look like on Monday afternoon. Not rooting against any of those guys, but for my own personal love of this race, I do love when the underdogs sneak through a couple of rounds or even deeper than that we do see things happen on monday morning and first round going back to dale creasy jr in 2020 of course you can look back in the top fuel category over the years um you know terry mcmillan winning the race kevin kinsley making a final round there's all kinds of great underdog stories that have manifested themselves over the years at indy but the funny car category yeah, Chad Green, maybe. What a story that would be. That would be an incredible story, and who knows? The conditions may suit his style of racing. It may suit that more conservative approach of a car that simply gets to the finish line. I say simply, with respect, that finishes the runs. Not low ET of the world, not low ET of the round, typically, but wind lights and wind lights and wind lights. Alexis. I mean, how much have we watched that car perform this year? What kind of a race would it be for her? She's won the race before. She's won the U.S. National. She knows. Could it be one of a, one of those days for her? Del Worsh and Nikki Bonifani. Let's not bet against them. And then in Top Fuel, you know, the, in Top Fuel, I just don't see how I don't see how Justin Ashley and his crew make mincemeat out of this thing and, and mess it up for themselves. I don't see that happening. We know what happened to them in the countdown last year and in ensuing weeks following this race, we're going to talk way more on a countdown-specific basis. But they are 100% hitting their stride, hitting their notes, hitting their everything dead square perfect at this time of the year, which is what a championship team does. The first time in a long time, I can't look at the Capco car and think these guys are due. They got the win in Seattle. They've had things break their way the wrong way or break against them maybe more than they have in any season in the last 10 years. The squeakers, the squeakers that used to go their way are not going their way this season. Just not happening. 
I know Steve's putting great pressure on himself in the starting line. He's working very hard in that race car. He's been on the wrong side of a bunch of hole shots this year. That's just the nature of the business sometimes, and that's the type of season they're having where they do catch their stride. They have been high in the points. They have led the points, but they haven't been able to seize it like they were over the course of their championship run. Being able to seize it and hold it and fend everybody off, that's the place they're struggling. Josh Hart and his team, those guys are sitting ninth in the points right now, probably the most dangerous ninth place car we've seen in years. They have not manifested that into race day results. They won the call out at Gainesville, and that was pretty much where they peaked on the second day of the first weekend of the year. My understanding is they're battling kind of a clutch disc situation. They have a disc in their pack that is not behaving to the degree they want it, or they're trying to figure out how to make it behave. I do think Josh Hart is the type of guy that once that falls into place, he can mow some people down. We know what he can do in the starting line. We know what Austin Proc can do in the starting line. We know what even Brittany Force can do in the starting line when pressed to do it. We've seen her do it. Championship season last year, she stood in there. Average reaction time is right in the thick of things with the class, right in the mid-60s. Not hero level, not mid-50s or lower, not 80s and 90s. Rock solid mid-60s. And then you got Mike Salinas running 338 miles an hour at Brainerd, Minnesota, making everybody look around and say, where did that come from? We've heard teams talk for two years about building a tune-up to compete with David Grubnick, and that car runs with big Titanic speeds. Rob Flynn wasn't those guys saying that, but it seems like they figured that out. 335, 336, 338. That's that car. That car is making big speed, which means it's making big power, which means that over the course of a U.S. Nationals type weekend, maybe Mike and Rob and those guys can get it done. But again, you run that razor's edge. That's where the consistency comes and goes versus cars that are more conservatively set up. Clay Milliken had a rough brainer. Blew up a lot of stuff. Blew up a lot of stuff. Not saying those guys are short on parts. Not saying those guys are going to get conservative. Not saying those guys are in a spot of trouble. But clearly, maybe pressing the car as hard as they were was not the correct answer at that point in time. They went in the high 60s, but at the cost of a lot of parts. At a race with five qualifying sessions and then four rounds of eliminations, you can drain the bank pretty quick. So that's going to be an interesting thing. Do we watch that car become a little more conservative? Does it live in the mid to high 70s when the conditions bear it? Does it live in the mid to high 80s when the conditions bear it? Or does it continue to be tuned as hard as it was by Jim O, running those high 60s? The conditions gave him high 60s, and they took it. It was impressive, and it was gutsy, but ultimately it led to a fair amount of broken stuff. So how does one affect the other? That's going to, um, that's going to be something to watch. And then Antron Brown. Antron wins Topeka last week. We had Brian Karate on the show. They went Topeka last year and then go on that great run. They win Brainerd this year and maybe go on that great run. He's a great wild card to watch, and he will be, of course, as he always is, kind of in the headlines over the course of this race for the reasons we talked about just a few minutes ago. And then we add in the massive sportsman contingent. One of my favorite things about the U.S. Nationals, I always get in early in the week 
work with the guys calling the early sportsman runs, the time runs, class eliminations, getting into the thick of things on Friday. And then I step back and transfer to my normal NHRA and Fox job. But then on Monday, we show some of that sportsman stuff, specifically the finals, live on the air. And so it's really fun for me to catch the beginning of that story, to see racers bust their way through the first round or two. And then I kind of lose a little focus on that front because I have to focus on the other part of my, my world, which is on the camping world side of things, the alcohol cars, the pro mods. So then when I get to see these finals, or even semifinals run on Monday, it's like, aha, I knew it. I knew that guy looked good on Friday. I knew that car looked good on Thursday. I knew when that guy qualified, he was going to be a factor. That, that, that is one of the most favorite parts of my Monday afternoon is seeing who was able to weed their way through, to fight their way through the sportsman eliminations to get it done. Classes with 150 cars. It's just, it's absolutely awesome. We have all that, and we have the comp shootout, and we have the funny car all-star callout, and we have the two fast, two tasties that are going on, the final ones of the season. Justin Ashley has 18 points accrued through two fast, two tasty. One more two fast, two tasty wins, he makes himself an extra round away from the competition. What I'm really interested to see on Monday afternoon or Tuesday, whenever it gets published is exactly what the measurable effect is of those points on particular teams. For Justin Ashley specifically, it's a big deal. Because if he can get over that hump, that one round can really save his bacon somewhere. He has a first round loss somewhere in the countdown, and his next closest opponent goes one round ahead of him, and then loses water under the bridge. That's where his too fast, too tasty advantage, his, his get-out-of-jail-free card gets played at that race. He makes a semi, someone goes to a final, someone that's chasing him. Once again, that get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't save you a lot, but it may save you just enough. We talk about it as a cliche. How many championships have come down to a handful of points? Well, if you're going to give me 21 freebies to put in my back pocket and I know how many championships have been won or lost by 10 or less, hell yeah, I'm going to be excited about having them. And I'm going to be really excited to see exactly how those two fast, two tasty points measure out. And then we really got to pay attention to how it affects a championship. It's one thing to just reset the points and look at it, but I never like to play the alternative reality game, but I will be paying close attention to understand without too fast, too tasty, where would this person have ended their season? Without too fast, too tasty, would this championship have, have, have happened? Those are the types of things that really are going to make it fascinating down the stretch run. But the pomp and the circumstance of the U.S. Nationals, unrivaled, nothing like it in the world. If you've never been, it's cliche to say, but if you've never been, you have to go. If you have a friend that tells you it's the same as every other race, with respect to your friend, they're dumb. It's not especially on the sportsman side. When you see sportsman racers who never race each other, all-stars really to a degree from their respective divisions, which the all-stars are, their JEGS all-stars will be contested in Texas this year, but in every sense of the word, great sportsman racers that typically race within their regions and then get together maybe for the JEGS all-stars, but typically they go to Indy. Money's bigger, prizes are bigger, prestige is bigger, 
All of it. That's what I love about this thing. It does bring the best of the best of the best together, just as it did in 1955. And it puts it on a and it puts this pedestal underneath these racers, specifically the sportsman racers, that they all strive to stand on top of and knock each other off of. The number of runs that will be made and eliminations that are decided by a couple of thousands here, there, the next is like nothing you see anywhere else. As good as the racing is everywhere, and trust me, it's good, it's never as good as it is at the U.S. Nationals. Just that extra level of intensity, that extra level of prestige, the fact that many of the sportsman racers are multi-generation, they grew up coming with their parents, now they're doing it themselves. So that is my quick love letter, if you will, to the U.S. Nationals Dodge Power Brokers U.S. National Circuit 2023. We have something like 10 hours of programming coming out of this race, whether it is the Comp Eliminator Shootout, we'll be having a dedicated show for that. Obviously, we got the Pro Mod Show, we got the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Show, but over the course of the weekend, we have qualifying shows on starting on Saturday. Sunday, we have qualifying shows, plus the Funny Car All-Star Callout, and then, of course, Monday... We begin broadcasting on FS1, and then at 2 p.m. Eastern, you're going to go over to your local Fox channel. We'll be live for eliminations from 2 p.m. on to the close of the U.S. Nationals on that famed day of Monday this coming week. One week from right now, I'll be standing there screaming and yelling inside the booth with Tony. Can't wait. I can't even picture it right now. You can't even really see yourself there until you're there. I know loads of people are jacked up about this race, very excited. Loads of media are coming out. This one does have a very special feel to it, and I can't wait to be there to experience it. And for those of you watching at home, to bring you the experience as best we can with our NHRA on Fox team. So there you have it. That's me. I'm leaving here in mere hours to head to the U.S. Nationals. We have a great sportsman appreciation dinner happening on Tuesday night. Looking forward to popping in, saying a few words there going to be shooting video tomorrow night for what should be an epic open to our broadcast on fox at 2 p.m eastern on monday and that's that tune in this weekend for the nhra insider live that will be coming from the pits right there at the top eliminator club at lucas oil indianapolis raceway park it'll be me and tony pedragon on gel and antron will join us and then we'll be joined by don the snake perdue and that as they say is that thank you for listening i'll be back next week with a full rundown of the u.s nationals everybody's going to be jacked up and uh, we get to talk about not only who wins the race but who goes in as championship points leaders who goes in to the countdown with a steamroller of locomotive uh, rather a steamroller of momentum behind him or who goes into the countdown trying to climb uphill it's going to be great thanks for listening i'll see you next week